Minnesota, a hellish winter wasteland in the middle of an otherwise beautiful country. You would think that all sorts of ghosts, demons, monsters, and UFOs would be drawn to this bleak, war-torn state. But surprisingly, no. Actually, it seems to be one of the least haunted states in America, and almost no cryptids. Why? Who knows? But I was able to dig up a few ghost stories, one of the most obscure cryptids I've ever covered, and yes, this is an interactive road trip, today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. So, this episode has kind of an interesting origin story. So what happened was, I did my birthday special episode. And it started off with a story about this little kid who tries to run a 5k and ends up winning a 10k. Again, adorable story. Don't really know if it fit the format, but it was my birthday, and I wanted to share that story with my friends. Anyways... Because I have a particular format for this show, Khaki Cube on YouTube goes, Oh man, I thought the story was going to be paranormal, because you know, you normally cover stuff that is paranormal. You don't normally just tell heart-lifting stories. Heart-warming stories? What's heart-lifting? That's terrible. Oh, I feel like my heart was just lifted. It was an uplifting, heart-warming story is what I meant to say. Khaki Cube said, I was a little disappointed because I thought the story was going to have a paranormal angle to it, like he was going to get sucked into another dimension, or he was really running, like, instead of a 5K, he was running, like, a 5D. He's in the fifth dimension he's running through. He's like, I'm everywhere at once. I'm both a winner and a loser. And he goes, I thought it was going to be paranormal. I was a little disappointed because nothing paranormal happens in Minnesota. And I read that comment. I was thinking, that can't be true. Like, there has to be something in Minnesota. I'm going to prove you wrong, Khaki Cube. I'm going to prove you wrong. And so I set out to prove him wrong, and I actually, yeah, he's kind of right. The first thing I went, I was going, they have to have monsters over there, right? The place is like a hellish winter landscape. There's not, there has to be some sort of goblin or ghoul hanging out in Minnesota. Mysterious Universe lists the Minnesota Iceman, a known hoax. It was basically a fake corpse and a block of ice. It listed the mystery monster, which was a rotted badger that washed up on the beach. These are their cryptids. There is a sea monster named Peppy, which is pretty stupid. And then they have the Wendigo, which isn't even Minnesota. That's like an immigrant cryptid. It's from another part. It's from Canada. It's from another part of the country. He just happens to travel through Minnesota. So I was like, Khaki Cube, when I first saw that, I was like, whoa, Khaki Cube's right. And it leads to a bigger question of why. Why doesn't Minnesota have a lot of creatures? And we'll get into that, if I remember, because, well, let's get into it right now. I I think it could be one of two things. I could think it could be that Minnesota is as old as the rest of America. We have states that are newer, and obviously the geography, it's not like there was a giant hole there, and then one day they're like, oh, it's filled up with sand. We will call this Minnesota. It's a very old, established state. There are Native Americans there for a long, long time. There's a lot of Native Americans still there, I think, maybe, hopefully. I hope there's at least some. Anyways, what I'm saying is that it has a long history. Why doesn't it have a lot of ghosts? It could be that the people who live there don't really care about it, which we'll cover that in one of these stories coming up, or they just don't really think it's that important to talk about. It could be that the place is is really such an inhospitable place to humanity with its cold, cold winters that not even a ghost, not even the undead want to live there. The Wendigo's like, oh, I'm going north for the winter. I'm going to sunny, sunny Canada. Black and leaves. Who knows? But let's go ahead. I took up his challenge, and I go, there has to be something out there. Let's take a look at some of these guys I dug up. Get it? Because they're ghosts. Okay, pick a number number between one and five. Now, let's hop on board the Jason Jolly. You're like, I haven't picked my number yet, bro. Well, hurry up. Hurry up. Pick it. Okay, you got it? Okay, let's hop inside the Jason Jalopy. We're going to drive around Minnesota. So I hope you have like eight layers of clothes on. Do they even have a summer? I don't want to spend the whole time ragging on Minnesota. But whenever I hear about Minnesota, it's in conjunction with the twins, the famous Siamese twins that ran for governor, or it's like bleak, cold winters. Are there any sitcoms that take place in Minnesota? Are there any movies that take place in Minnesota? Okay, so we're driving through Minnesota, and we come across the Soap Factory. 
It's which sounds, I mean, come on. And then the teenagers got lost in the abandoned soap factory. What? I'd be like, yay! I'd just be spraying water everywhere. Monsters chasing me, I'd get in a giant bubble and float away. Not scary. But anyway, Soap Factory, one of their most famous... We're in for a wild ride on this one, guys. Because I really had to dig for these. These are the most intriguing. A lot of them were just a ghost walked by a house in 1874, and it's haunted. That's how lame the ghosts are in Minnesota. These ones are kind of cool, though. Anyways... As the story continues, I'm floating away in a bubble going, ha, 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 and there's like this haunted doll shaking its fist at me. I'm floating away. You're not floating away. You didn't come up this plane. You got attacked by the by the doll. But anyways, back to the real story. We're in the soap factory. This is on, I'm sure, I, I think I can give out this address. I'll, I'll give out the street. It's on 2nd Street Southeast in Minnesota. Oh, I guess I'd probably need this. <laughs> The city. I'm assuming it's mini. Whatever. Just look up Soap Factory. The links are there. There we meet a man known as Adrian Lee. He's a paranormal investigator. My favorite job occupation. And I'm reading this article and they're like, yes, the Soap Factory is one of the most haunted places in Minneapolis. Adrian Lee, paranormal investigator, says, here's one of his quotes, one of the most paranormally thick environments I have ever had the displeasure to investigate. No one's making you do this. You don't have to sound like a snobby art critic. I imagine him walking around a haunted house, rubbing his finger over the bookshelves and like testing the dust. He's like, mm, I hate this place. He said, calls it bordering on the demonic. And he, I love this line in the article. It says, Lee doesn't go in without a couple of pastors. So apparently this psychic investigator, paranormal investigator, whatever, has on call multiple pastors. Like he picks up the phone he has, like, the Bible phone. He picks it up. He's like, it's time to go, boys. And they're, like, going down a fireman pole. They're, they live in a giant chapel. They're going down the fireman pole. Driving away in their um, chaplain mobile. That's a stupid name. Um, Bible mobile. Uh, whatever. They're driving away in a Bible-themed vehicle. The Bible mobile. I already said that one. Anyways. Anyways, the joke's over. I love the fact. He's like, it's demonic. One of the most paranormally blah, 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 blah. So he says all this stuff, but this is actually like, well, it's not anymore. But at the time when Adrian Lee was kicking down the door with his team of pastors posing in the doorway, ready to confront the demons, it was an active artist space slash workshop slash like residency. Like you could stay there and you got a stipend and you could paint or do your, uh, your avant-garde dancing or shoot paint out of your butthole or whatever form of art you chose to do. In the most demonically possessed place in Minneapolis. That, that's a problem with this narrative. Like, he's trying to build it up as being, like, this horrible place that smells of sulfur. And you're like, no, that's just the those guys over there, they don't shower. It's part of their art. And they roll in sulfur. And you're like, ah. Oh. They eat a lot of eggs. So you go, oh, that's not scary. And that's what I was thinking, too. It's like, that's not scary. And at the same time, the article I was reading this from must have thought, yeah, it's not scary, is it? That's not really that scary. So they added this part. While factually true, let me read this to you. The so actually, let me start off. It's a, it was originally a soap factory. It wasn't some nutty art commune that became the soap factory because it's a funny name. It used to be a soap factory, then it shut down, and then a bunch of Bohemians took it over, and now Adrian Lee is showing up, and now the place is closed at this point. But anyways, it's like office building. But anyways. It was used to be a soap factory, and to make soap, you needed animal carcasses. And the article's like, isn't that spooky? Listen to this quote. The flow of bloody skins through the factory rivaled the current of the great river next door. That's a bit of hyperbole. You got a raging river, and there's just all these skins going, people are rafting on the skins. And at the turn of the century, the building's appetite for flesh made it a repository for stray dogs that the city paid to be rounded up and strangled. That's a rumor, a very, very popular rumor in the area, that a lot of their skin... Think about it, you're an industrial soap factory. So you have orders that have to go out every single day. There's not enough stray dogs in the city to last more than a week or two. Like, you, if that. Like, they're obviously ordering animal hides from slaughterhouses they're not sitting around and they'll be like oh jerry doesn't get back with those thousand dog skins we're closed and everyone's like freaking out there it was an industrial scale soap factory but anyways they i'm sure a couple dogs ended up in there but i don't think that was their bread and butter or bread and blutter <laughs> so anyways 
And then it goes, because even that, the article knows that that's not a really good selling point. The article literally says after that sentence, not gruesome enough for you? Consider then that before the warehouse was built, the site was home to a small business that produced artificial limbs for soldiers wounded in the Civil War. That's some creepy stuff. I'm like, what? No, that's quite noble. That's odd. I'm not, when I walk by a guy with a prosthetic leg, I'm not like, where's his real leg? Is it a ghost somewhere? And if I worked for a factory that made metal hands and legs, I wouldn't be like, oh, I wouldn't be scared. I'd be like, I'm doing a good thing. I'm doing something for people who lost their limbs fighting for the nation. For the, It was the Civil War. It wasn't like some lame war that happened. It wasn't like some no French Indian War or whatever. It was the Civil War, the defining war in American history. Anyways, history lesson's over. So you're walking through the soap factory. I'm floating in my bubble. I'm still up in my bubble. You're like, damn it, Jason. Dolls chasing you everywhere. I'm floating up in the bubble. You're looking for a pin and a straw to shoot it down. I'm like, hee I hit all the pins. I have them all with me. I'm holding all of these pins in my hands. And I go... If you picked number four, you're like, oh, I forgot we're doing this gimmick. I'm like, yes, we are doing this gimmick. If you picked number four, this is your resting place forever. A place, and you have to live through all stages of it. So first off, you start off as a noble handyman, and you get to build the first cybernetic arm for George Washington's great uncle, who was still alive during the Civil War. Wait, no, it'd be his great ancestor. Anyways, you're able to build him a robot arm. And you're like, this is a cool fate. But then you flash forward to the soap factory days, but you're the dog and you're running through a, a sea of skin and flesh. And you're like trying to hide under all the flesh as meaty Minnesotan hands reach through the flesh, trying to grab your fur and you're all scared. And that's dark. Okay, let's get out of that one. Let's get out of that one. You're like disappointed in me. Even the dolls looking up at me in the bubble and being like, dude, that's too dark. Okay, and now the worst fate of all. You're a struggling artist sitting in an abandoned soap factory trying to paint something. And you're trying to hit the brush against the easel. Not the easel. You're trying to hit the brush. <laughs> that's why you fail at your art. Because you don't have a canvas. Anyways, you get a canvas. You realize your mistake. You go get a canvas. But as you're painting on the canvas, you see a little bloody paw print appear on the on the painting. You're like, that's not scary. A little bloody paw print goes away. And you're like, aw. And then from behind you, you smell sulfur. And you turn around and you think it's just your buddy Jake. But it's a dark cloud. And you suck it up. And then you become a famous artist, the most famous artist to ever come out of the soap factory. You've never thought you could be this famous, but it's really the demon in control of your body. And you're just a witness to all of the fame and all of the luxuries and all of the horrible things he does with your body late at night. How long is this episode run so far? Oh, geez. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to the next one. We got to blow through this here. What's the next one? Jeez, that took forever. Hop back in the car. We're going to First Avenue. So I think it's nearby. We're going to First Avenue. There's a place called the Danceteria. We're going to the Danceteria. The Danceteria is not a cafeteria full of dancing. It's actually a dance club. The Danceteria. I don't know if that's what it's called now. I think actually it's called something a little more hip. I think it's called First Avenue. But anyways, used to be Danceteria. Maybe it still is. I don't know. (laughs) Anyways... Back a long time ago, super specific, it was World War II. Everything was swinging and jazzing, and a young, beautiful woman was in love with a dude. That dude loved her back, and they kissed, and they held hands, and then he goes, I have to go fight World War II. And she's like, what? And she's not really a part of events. She had no idea. So he sat down, and he explained the rise of Nazi Germany, and imperialism and when they got to the pearl harbor part she was totally like shocked but anyways eventually after about an hour long (laughs) discussion on this thing he's like oh by the way i'm leaving right now i spent i we could have been making whoopee but i had to tell you about world war ii so anyways he leaves and she's like i hope he comes back to me now obviously this is a ghost story so you know that he's not because he doesn't Now, he's not the ghost. This young woman, he dies during World War II. And she's like, I don't know why he died. And they're like, he died fighting for the country. She's like, what? 
what do you mean fighting for the country? They had to explain it to her. But anyways, she's so heartbroken over the fact that her lover died due to unknown circumstances that she's at the danceateria where she loved to hang out. And she goes, I got to kill myself. And what's weird is we've covered this on another story before, not this particular incident, but this same type of death. This young woman goes into the women's restroom, goes to the fifth stall, and hangs herself. How, and this is what I said in my original episode, how do you hang yourself in a bathroom? I understand how it's possible. You have to use your underwear to do it, and you just kind of lean over and choke. It's very, very painful, and it takes a long, long time, but it's possible. That's generally how people kill themselves in jail. When you hear someone hung in jail... They're not throwing an old-timey noose. Sometimes they'll use bed sheets and they'll wrap it around a bar. But it's the same thing. You basically put something around your neck and lean over. It's, don't do it. It's, it's quite awful. But it's possible to kill yourself in a bathroom. I don't understand why you would do it in a bathroom. If someone said, you have to kill yourself, I would go, I would kill myself in the most beautiful location ever. A movie theater showing Transformers 3. But... I want to kill myself in a gross, <laughs> disgusting place. Like, at least let me see the sunset. I don't want to hang myself not only in a restroom, but a public restroom. Her last moments are thinking, someone really needs to clean that toilet. Ugh. Horrible. So, she does this. Now, if you go to this nightclub, and you go into the fifth stall, Sometimes, this is terrifying to me. This is honestly the scariest ghost. I think it's one of the scariest ghosts possible, other than a ghost under, under your bed sheets with you. Well, that could be kind of sexy. But going to the bathroom and looking up and seeing a full-bodied apparition standing in front of you. Because, well, for a couple reasons. One, you're going to the bathroom, and it's always creepy when someone's in there with you. Two, there's not a lot of room in a stall, so it's not like I'm in a graveyard and I'm looking at a ghost far away, I see the little light. Like, we're knee to knee, and I can't run without doing several actions. I can't, I gotta finish going poop, and then I'll probably have to poop more after seeing the ghost, but you have to finish. Wiping is optional in this situation, to be honest. Like, if there is a ghost in front of you, I'm not worried about whether or not my butt is going to itch 10 minutes from now. But you still gotta pull your pants up, open the door, and get out. And there is a ghost with a bent neck in front of you. You don't have a lot of, like, you're basically jumping out of there. Now, luckily, I don't go to women's restrooms, so ladies, this is your deal. But now she is known to be seen also on the dance floor, along with what the article called, and this isn't Backpackerverse, by the way. This isn't Backpackerverse. This is like Minnesota Monthly. So you can see where this is headed. This is the actual line. She dances on the dance floor, quote, along with other legless ghosts. Where did her legs disappear at any point in the story? And more importantly, how does a legless ghost dance? Is it just a torso swaying back and forth? So you're a ghost, you're trapped in a public bathroom forever, one of the worst places for a ghost to live. And then eventually you go out to the nightclub and you're thinking, oh, that's cool, she can listen to the music. Yeah, remember, she's a World War II ghost, so she's like swinging and jazzing to like Benny Youngman and Bobby Darren and whoever else. Now she's in a dance club and her and her the legless ghosts are showing up and they're like, oh, I wonder who's playing tonight. And it's 2019, and it'll be like, hey, everyone, welcome, anal snot. And what are the go? If you your musical tastes are pretty set, honestly, like people don't radically change musical tastes, especially after they're dead. So, if you chose number three, you walk into the women's restroom, the lights flickering on and off. If you're a guy, this might be a little awkward, but you still got to do it. You count the stalls. You go and you sit on the fifth one. Keeps going dark. And nothing happens. You're like, oh, that was interesting. You pull your pants up. Or, assuming you're a girl, put your... What do girls do? Do they take their dresses off when they go to the bathroom? I guess they just lift them up. I guess not all women wear dresses. Anyways, the... Yeah, like, if you have, like, a skirt that unzips, do you unzip your skirt and put it around your waist? What? I never even thought of that. Anyways, so the women do what they do. Men and some women put their pants back on. And you walk out of the bathroom. And then you encounter Slippy. Because there's also another ghost there. There's a staircase that descends down into the basement of the danceateria. There's a ghost down there named Slippy. 
And Slippy has a unique power among ghosts. Very, very rare power. Seen it a couple times. Slippy can manifest items into our world. So as you're walking down the stairs, you see a balloon just appear in front of you. Slowly starts floating towards you. But as you go to leave the basement, the door slams. And the balloon just floats closer and closer and closer to you. And then, pop! Everything is pitch black. And that is when you learn why so many ghosts have lost their legs. I'm making up this last part. This part's not true. But the balloon pops with such velocity. Both of your legs explode off of your body. And for the rest of time, you have to just wiggle your torso in midair to the sweet, sweet sounds of terrible independent music. Uh, (laughs) You're like, oh no, oh no, another Maroon 5 cover band. Uh, This is so horrible. I guess actually they wouldn't play there. They'd be at the state fair. But anyways, you're trapped in (laughs) the danceateria. Okay, (laughs) let's move on to... Uh, let's move on. Let us move on with this now extra long episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I really got to stop doing these. I shoot for a half hour because I know how valuable your time is. I try to keep them short, but we've had a bad luck recently. Anyways, I'm having fun. So I hope you guys are having fun too. But we'll get back to our normal schedule because this episode, there's no way this episode's 30 minutes. So let's go ahead and hop back into Jason Jalopy. If you pick number three, number four, you guys are toast. One of you guys, what happened to the first one? I don't even remember. Second one got his legs exploded by a balloon. The first, oh, show factory, show factory. So anyways, you're trapped there. So the rest of us hop into Jason Jalopy. We're driving to a place known as Gray Cloud Island. This is in eastern Minnesota. What's interesting about Gray Cloud Island, first off, not an island. It's not an island at all. I had to look it up on a map because I had a sneaking suspicion. Is there any of these articles about Grey Cloud Island, and, and other than calling it Grey Cloud Island, they never specifically said, well, the island is situated. They never referred to it as an island. There is a strip of land. It's not super wide, but there is a strip of land connecting it to the mainland. Not an island. May have been at one point, but it's not anymore. So change it to Grey Cloud Peninsula. It has a ton of Native American burial mounds. This was a kind of a sacred spot for them. There's a bunch of burial mounds there. Now there's a giant, like, gravel factory, which people assume have just destroyed tons of archaeological stuff there. Bunch of bodies getting chewed up the gravel. That's why when you're riding your bike super fast down the road and, and you just, like, flip off of it and you can't figure out why that piece of gravel came from a haunted burial ground. It does have some interesting things, though. That's why I'm covering it. One, this would be an interesting game to play. I don't know if it, how true it is. A couple people have stated this, but it seems like it could be some sort of optical thing. There's a row of 12 graves, and when you walk down the row and you count them, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and then you turn and you walk back the other way, there's 13 gravestones. Now, obviously there's not, and I guess like the 13th gravestone is supposed to be your gravestone or something like that, but obviously there's nothing paranormal going on there, because again, if it was and it was that easily replicated, then it would be completely studied by science. They're like, there's a dimensional shift. Something appears when we turn around. It would be compl- it would be all over the news. But it's interesting because it could it's either completely made up or it could be some sort of visual trick. Where you don't see the 12th, you don't see the 13th gravestone when you're walking by originally, or it could just be a perspective thing. I think that's kind of interesting. But it has two things that I find really, really interesting, and that's why we're going to Grey Cloud Peninsula on this one. One, it has a population of about 300 people, and they hate ghost hunters, and this is considered like a sacred area slash full of ghost stories. But they don't want any ghost hunters. They run them right off their territory. The graveyard is locked down. You can't even go in the graveyard unless you are related to a dead person in the graveyard. No visitors allowed. That always makes me suspicious because it would be an easy way to get that sweet, sweet tourist money by saying, yeah, yeah, we're haunted. You pay five bucks, you go to the haunted graveyard. It always makes me suspicious when people don't want to do that. But really the most consistent rumor about Great Cloud Peninsula is the idea that it's run by the Ku Klux Klan or a satanic cult. It goes back and forth. But the real reason why these people are super secretive and they want to keep people off of their land isn't because they don't want a bunch of teenagers throwing beer cans at green lights floating by. So they're engaged, they're actively engaged in cult activity or that's where the Ku Klux Klan of Minnesota hangs out to 
do whatever they do nowadays. I don't even know the Ku Klux Klan. It's so, it seems like such an archaic group. But anyways, that's the rumor going on right now. So people tell stories about being chased off by residents and having drones fly over their head, ah, hiding in the bushes. And a lot of these people say, I went there to go see this green light, and then this white pickup truck started chasing me. Now, the white pickup truck could... Apparently, that's like a common thing. If you go there for any amount of time, a white pickup truck starts following you around. Some people say it's security for the gravel company. Other people say it's the clan or the cult. But a lot of these stories are out there of people like hiding in the bushes as like neighbors are looking for them. And they're like on raid. The one guy was saying he could hear a woman talking on a radio to somebody else being like... He was saying it sounded like she was looking for him and she was communicating her location to somebody else and all this stuff. So anyways, that's a myth that's going on. So if you picked number one, you're outside of the Jason Jalopy. You're standing in the middle of a giant gravel pit. You're like, oh, there's no way I'm getting out of this. And you start trying to climb up and gravel just keeps getting kicked out from underneath you. Ah, <laughs> And you're like rolling down. After about three days, you finally crawl out. Actually, the next morning, the workers show up and they're like, what are you doing at our workplace? And they help you out. But anyways, you still don't have a car. So you're walking around Gray Cloud Island. And you see 12 gravestones. And you're like, oh, this part's interesting. And you start walking and you count them. And when you count up to 12, you turn around. And now it's nighttime. Big moon in the sky. You see the 13th gravestone. And you're like, that's the second most unusual thing that just happened to me. The first one is the massive time jump. And around that time, you see a bunch of people come out of the woods in black robes. They're not white robes, because I'm not going to make jokes about the clan chasing you. A little more sensitive than that. These guys have black robes. They're like, we are not affiliated with any racist organizations. Yes, we are sane worshippers and we are going to kill you. But we're not going to kill you because of your ethnicity. We're going to kill you because we're evil, evil, demonically worshipping people. And you're like, oh no, at least I'm not being killed because of something I can't control. And then as you feel the knives go into your body, you feel a little bit better. Because you know that they're equal opportunity murderers. I really had no way. I had no other way to end that one. Sorry if you picked the number one and you expected a racist cult to kill you. I don't think you guys realize how on the... You guys might actually. How on the seat of the pants this show is. I just write notes and then just talk. So sometimes I realize as I'm talking, I'm like, Oh wait, am I going to have to have the clan show up at the end of the story again? To do something funny? Yeah, that was... Anyways... Let's go ahead and move on. How long is this? Ah, okay. So let's go ahead and move on to our next haunted spot. We got we got two more, guys. We're almost done. We got two more. Okay, so let's move on to our, our next haunted spot. Sorry, commuters who only have a 20-minute drive to work. It's a two-parter for you. We're going to St. Anthony, Minnesota. And I think that might be where the, the the 5K took place, if I remember correctly. Probably don't, but I think that's where the 5K took place. And after all of our adventures, Soap Factory guys showing back up, covered in animal carcasses like Conan the Barbarian. Then the Danceteria guy shows up, no legs, so he's just kind of floating. He's a disembodied spirit floating around. Gray Cloud dude, who just got taken out by the cult, shows up, suspiciously wearing black robes. Well, what? Why are you wearing those? No, nothing. What happened to the guy? The soap, the soap factory. I forgot. He wasn't wearing animal skins. He became possessed by the demon and was like killing people at night or something. Anyways, anyways, he's here too. Whatever. We're all at Dairy Queen. We're all at Dairy Queen in St. Anthony. And now, we, now when a Little League team wins a game, they go to a pizza parlor. When we are all murdered by ghosts and or non-racist cults, we go to Dairy Queen. Now, at Dairy Queen, this is Haunted Dairy Queen. This is just product placement for Dairy Queen. I used to work at Froster Freeze, which was bought out by... I don't have enough time to tell those stories, sorry. So anyways, we're at Dairy Queen. So here are the signs that this Dairy Queen is haunted, according to multiple articles. Okay, I'm not making these up. These aren't jokes. We're in this Dairy Queen. The first thing we do is we hear children laughing. We look around, there's a bunch of kids behind us. We're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. We order some blizzards, and the receipt comes out, and they go, okay, you guys ordered five blizzards. Sorry, the receipt here said you ordered six. Here's a free blizzard. We're like, what? We've never been in a fast food restaurant where an order was wrong. We're looking at each other. Oh, no. Mysterious cold spots in a Dairy Queen, a restaurant that specializes in ice cream. Sometimes it gets cold in there. 
It's a sign of a haunting, according to multiple articles. Now, the last one is a little more hauntorific, and that's where the employees hear names, their names being called when no one else is around. Well, it could just be that you're 16 and you have your listening to XXX Tentation in one ear, and your boss is going, Jeremy, Jeremy, turn around. And you're like, what? I think I heard something, dude. Take his headphones out. What? Someone was just calling my name. Yeah, it was me. What? Your orders are always wrong, dude. We keep giving out free blizzards. What, dude? I mean, okay, it's most likely not haunted. But it was reported multiple times this Dairy Queen was haunted. So if you picked, you're like, damn it, Jason. If you picked number five, you're trapped in a haunted Dairy Queen. Okay, here, we'll make it even better than that. Your soul... Is that, that's it. I could I could I could be trapped in a haunted Dairy Queen. I could do that. But anyways, because you'd be going down, some of them have the playgrounds and stuff. You're all wee! You're, you're popping out of the balls. Kids are like in the ball pit and you're like all the time. It'd be hilarious. But we're gonna make it scarier for you. Because otherwise that one was kind of weak. If you pick number five, your soul is turned into a waffle cone, right? So it's like all twisted around and you're all like Never mind. Never mind. If you pick number five, you're just in a haunted Dairy Queen. And every Sunday night, you turn into a haunted waffle cone. And somebody eats you. And then you turn back into a regular ghost. No, no, no. When you come back, now you're the ghost of a waffle cone. So now you can't even hop out of the ball pit. Dun, dun, dun. Sorry. Dude, that one, that one, I thought I was going to be able to come up with something. But to be fair, I didn't even think about it. So let's go ahead. There's four of us who aren't waffle cones. If you pick number five, you are a waffle cone. And we're going to walk to the Minnesota State Fair. But we're all getting our waffle cones, unless you are one. No, then you'll have a little tiny waffle cone as well. You got a little arm. We're walking to Minnesota State Fairgrounds. Now, obviously, if you picked number two, this is you. Uh, This one's kind of long. But anyways, this one's weird. It's a little story I like to call Curse of the Pigman. Now, apparently, I didn't know this, Pigman is a very popular last name. And it seems to be especially popular in Minnesota for people who have bad luck. October 4th, 1777. Come on, get them, boys. It's the Battle of... Germantown. It's the American Revolution. Stab a dude in the neck. Come on, keep going. Let's fight them British. Guys are getting gutted, right? And in this fight is John Pigman. He's actually leading the fight. Come on, boys. Follow the old Pigman. Let's do this. Just skewering British dudes. We used to be related. Not anymore, you British dudes. (laughs) Kill him. Anyways, after the bloody battle is all over with, John Pigman goes, oh, that's pretty dope, dude. Killing a bunch of dudes, fighting for my country. Now, while he was off fighting and becoming a war hero, which he was remembered as, his wife and his idiotic son were left back at the farm, and his son was a dummy, so the farm went into debt. And eventually, when John came back, he lost all of his land and was thrown in debtor's prison, which was a thing. If you had debt and you couldn't pay it, they threw you in prison, which it's luckily isn't a thing, because otherwise I'd be doing 25 to life. But... Now we're jumping to the year 19. That's bad luck, right? You become a war hero, come back thrown in debtor's prison because your stupid son doesn't know how to plant corn. 1911, there's a dude born... Oh, that guy was from Minnesota. That all, <laughs> that all happened That all happened in Minnesota. I forgot to say that. This is the curse of the pig man. 1911, there was a guy born in Minnesota. His name was Melvin Lewis Pigman. His nickname was Fat. So his nickname was Fat. Fat Pigman. Real guy. Real guy. Found his obituary. 1924. You're like, Jason, is that really the only unlucky thing? If your nickname was Fat Pigman, that is about as unlucky as you can get. 1924. The curse of the Pigman strikes again. Trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. I'm just not going to talk about it. Anyways, just trust me. 1924. H.F. Pigman, which I'm pretty sure H.F. stands for high-flying, because H.F. Pigman, he was a human daredevil. 
He was, okay, sorry, no, I read that wrong. He was a dare, <laughs> this, he was a daredevil human fly. So that's a guy who like climbs up buildings and stuff like that. Nowadays we call them human spiders. I guess he also probably flew. He might have had some sort of glider. But anyways, HF Pigman, I'll read this sentence. HF Pigman, a daredevil human fly, this is from an article, loses his grip in 1924. <laughs> loses his grip and falls 70 feet from the courthouse tower in Albert Lee. Uh, he survives the fall, but sustains serious injuries. No duh. 70 feet's quite a long way to fall. But anyway, so I found that when I was looking at pigmen in Minnesota history. That's unlucky, right? This one, okay, so this is where I told you to hold on. I'm going to tell you one more cursed pigman story, and then I'm going to tell you a pigman story, and then we're done, okay? Just a little bit longer, guys. Hold on. Even the ghost with no legs is somehow tapping his foot impatiently. This one's weird, dude. 2015. There's a dude named Christopher Cruz. He's sleeping. And he hears a boom, like this loud noise. And he wakes up. And his wife is laying next to him in bed. Dead. Shotgun blast to the chest. There were kids in the house. He wakes up, calls the cops. Tells him, I woke up, I heard a loud noise, my wife's dead, her chest is blown up. The cops show up. Kids are there, all this stuff, right? Cops show up. They don't find the shotgun, but they find a spent shotgun shell in her room. Four years later, Christopher Cruz is arrested. He's currently on trial for the murder of his wife. His wife's name, Jan Pigman Cruz. Pigman Cruz, so it's hyphenated. But it was originally Pigman. So the pigman curse can strike you even if you just know a pigman. And you go, Jason, it's obvious he probably shot. This is what's weird. How do you, you know the police tore that house apart looking for that shotgun. How do you shoot a woman with one of the loudest personal weapons you can, you know, carry commercially, right? He's not shooting a howitzer cannon, but he shoots her with a shotgun that ejects a shotgun shell. Then runs, hides the shotgun in a place where nobody finds it for four years, calls the cops. And the whole time, the kids don't see him running, none of the neighbors, because none of the neighbors see him running outside burying the shotgun. The cops, I can guarantee you, tore that place apart looking for that shotgun that night. I don't think that they would have been like, oh, you know, it's been four years, let's go look for that shotgun. And they're like, oh, we should have looked for it earlier. They obviously probably suspected him right away. They were looking for that shotgun. How did he get the shotgun out of the house and hidden from the police all this time? I can understand if they're on a camping trip and this happened, but in your house, she gets shot, and somehow, even with the kids, you're able to get that shotgun to a place. You couldn't bury it, because they'd see freshly buried soil. They were immediately suspicious of this guy. To this day, the shotgun's never been found. He may have killed her, or he could be a victim of the curse of the pigman. Like a ghost shot or something like that. So you ask, what's the curse of the pigman? Now, obviously, I've selected these four people named Pigman who have bad luck. Other than just having the last name of Pigman. The guy's other name was Fat Pigman. You're thinking, Jason, you're wasting my time at this point. I wouldn't even say I selected these guys. I typed in Minnesota Pigman. <laughs> you're like, why? Get to that part. Hold on. I typed in Minnesota Pigman. And I found these just like right off the bat. People with the last name of Pigman seem to suffer terrible luck. So that is in and of itself a bizarre thing. Pigman people from Minnesota suffer terrible luck. There might be great pigmen out there somewhere, but whatever. The reason why I typed in Minnesota Pigman, the reason why you picked the number you picked, which was number two, was because when I was looking for ghosts and hauntings and cryptids, the reason why we went on this whole adventure that Khaki Cube sent us on was I found on this website. This is, this is where it gets weird, guys. There's a website called hauntedplaces.org. And I'm just looking for just... This is when I'm first doing my research. I find this entry on Minnesota State Fairgrounds on hauntedplaces.org. This is what it says. The Minnesota State Fairgrounds, according to some, is haunted by a ghost pig or half-human, half-pig, called the Pigman. Other reports say a brown bird that nests here is believed to be a reincarnation of Wayne Murray, the maintenance man who died here in 1986. And I read that, and I go, I could care less about the brown bird. What? What? You see a brown bird, you're like, that's good old Wayne. Wayne used to fly around and chew up worms. Ah, that son of a gun. Still flapping his wings. Like, why is that? 
what the hell is this Minnesota pig man? The Minnesota State Fairgrounds, according to some, is haunted by a ghost pig or half-human, half-pig called the Pigman. Guys, we all know how the internet works. We know how urban legends work. I've covered dozens of these things over the course of this show. You can have the most obscure urban legend. When I was 12, there was some homeless guy named Joe Trombone, who's a schizophrenic dude who rapped on buses. There's YouTube videos of him now. So 20 years later, people are still posting stuff about Joe Trombone. There is nothing on this pig man. At all. Nothing. But what's weird are there are traces of pig man in Minneapolis culture. Now, it's hard to determine whether or not these things were founded by... Here's my best example of this. There is a pig man triathlon. So there's like a... What is that? Swimming, boating, and... and running or something like that, right? Three things I don't like doing. It's called Pigman Triathlon. You go, well, maybe John Pigman founded it. Maybe when he was killing British soldiers, he had to run, swim, and then boat. Maybe, but very, very interesting. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I kept finding traces of it. There is a photo. It's a fake photo, and the guy admits it was fake. He sold it on eBay. He said he found it at some shop. It's basically a Photoshop picture of a baby and a pig mixed together. And the headline of the article is... Extremely rare photo of Minnesota pig man for sale on Craigslist. And the article goes on to say, no, it's fake. I just think it's a funny photo. And I put it up there as a joke. So people in the media, well, that article specifically talked about the pig man as if it was a real cryptid in Minnesota that people would know. If I use the term Minnesota pig man, people would be like, oh, yeah, I remember hearing about that as a kid. And the Minnesota say there are no resources on this guy. Nothing. And what happened was when I was typing in Minnesota pig man, it kept bringing me up stuff about human flies and dudes blowing their wives away. Except for those little pieces and those little traces. Really, really bizarre. And I have two conclusions to come from that. One, here's my conspiracy theory. What if, I have two, two of them, but what if we talked about Gray Cloud Island, right? And we talked about the fact that the community there doesn't want anyone to know about any of the ghosts. They're always running people out. What if the entire population of Minnesota is keeping a cryptid from us? What if this is a a gray cloud peninsula on a giant scale? There's a pig man, there's a half-human, half-pig that everyone in Minnesota knows exists. He's like, hey guys, what's up? He's skateboarding, has the sunglasses on, and they're like, pig man! Goes skateboarding off into the sunset. But no one outside Minnesota gets to know about this dude. Because... That sentence on the hauntedplaces.org is the only record that I could find of the Minnesota Pigman. And to make the story even more weird, when I went to go verify a detail from the Minnesota State Fairgrounds entry to the hauntedplaces.org, I can't access it. As of recording this, and I just checked a couple minutes ago, the link that I provided takes you to the front page of hauntedplaces.org. The whole website, if you click on any link from that website, none of the links work now. They all take you to the front page of hauntedplaces.org. Is it possible that this website found out that I was getting too close to the truth and shut itself down for maintenance? No, it is not possible at all. That is completely paranoid delusion. I do think it is weird timing, though. I think it's 100% a coincidence, but it is odd. I am curious that if when the website gets fixed, that you can go to the website, you just can't visit any of their entries. I will be curious that when the website gets fixed, if Minnesota Pigman is still there. But that is not it. I have something more to go on. Because I'm looking up Pigman. An article came up about these dudes in China or Ireland or something like that trying to make a half-human, half-pig. Now, not to release at the Minnesota State Fair, but so a pig can grow human organs, you can take the organs out and put it in a human. Groundbreaking if it's possible. But remember, I'm looking for the term Minnesota pig man. I find this in, oh wait, never mind. It wasn't in China or Ireland. It was in La Jolla, or is it La Jolla, California? I think it's La Jolla. Anyways, this was in the article. Professor Daniel Gary, a cardiologist and head of a different chimera, chimera? Basically, it's the term where you take two animals and stick them together. You basically take like a dove and a rat and just sew them together, but genetically. 
Professor Daniel Gary, a cardiologist and head of a different Chimera project at the University of Minnesota, said this is a significant advance that raises opportunities and ethical questions as well. Gary said that the rapid progress in Chimera research had prompted a range of troubling questions, including whether the progeny would look more human or more pig, what would happen if a Chimera had a human thought and whether it was possible for the human cells to cannibalize the pig embryo, resulting in a mostly human, slightly pig offspring. So what, this guy's talking about pigs. He's talking about pig people. Jason, why are you giving this guy... University of Minnesota, I go, oh, he's also working on doing this Chimera project. I wonder what he's working on. Is he also working on a pig, half-human, half-pig thing? There is no mention. This guy really does exist, because I had to look him up too, but there is absolutely no mention what he's working on at all. Even though this article states he's working on a different Chimera project, but I couldn't, and I looked all over for this guy. He did not say I'm working on like a half giraffe, half lizard, or nothing like that. We just know that this guy in Minnesota is working on a different Chimera project, but has enough information about how it works that he can adequately explain the possible outcomes for a human pig. Is he also working on a human pig hybrid? Has he crafted and created a human pig hybrid? Is the pig man... There's two questions here. One... Is the Pigman a real urban legend? And then two, is the Pigman real? Normally with cryptids, it's always the first question. We know the urban legend's real because we've heard the story. We know about Bigfoot, Mothman, uh, Melonheads. We heard about all these guys before. So the fact there's so many resources on it, we know it's not just one guy telling the story. It's not your uncle being like, hey, did you hear about Pigman walking down the street? Like, you know it's an urban legend. That's normally not in question. I don't think I've ever questioned whether or not the story itself was actually even being told. Factually, whether or not it's real is different. We're actually questioning whether or not the legend exists. Whether or not anyone else has ever heard the story of the pig man, other than this two sentences on this website that's down right now. But then we find all this other pig, the pig man triathlon and the Minnesota pig man news article and stuff like that. So... And the Minnesota Pigman news article, I should say, doesn't say, you. everyone knows who the Pigman is. He's that cryptid running around Minnesota. It just is like, oh, here's a photo of a weird-looking pig. Minnesota Pigman. It almost assumes that you have a working knowledge of this cryptid. So if you picked number two, you wake up in a laboratory one day. And you're in a cage. You're all hunched over in a big old human cage. And you see other people in their own cages and there's they have little hooves little hooves for hands and you're like oh this isn't going to be good and you get unhooked from the cage they open the door they need to oil the cage it's not a really well-funded laboratory and they make you get out and they're like come on come on and they take you to a laboratory and they have a giant needle and you see in the liquid you see little little um, pig fetuses right <laughs> little pig fetuses floating around in the vial in the the embryonic fluid and they inject it into your veins you're like ah <laughs> and then you look down at your hands and you have hoof hands you're like no and then <laughs> this is so <laughs> i'm just listing stuff at this point anyways if you pick number two you're a half human half pig and you're like see all these other pigs they're getting like tags put on them and they're like getting punched in the stomach i don't know they're bad stuff stuff you don't want to see happen to a sentient creature and you're being led through the facility and you're led to a, it's getting darker and darker and darker and you're like uh, all you can do is go you've lost the ability to speak but you still have a human brain as your little pig feet are like kicking down the linoleum hallway and it's really scary and then you feel a little curly q tail stick out of your butt and you're like, uh-oh, transformation is almost complete. And you can't wait for the point where your human mind becomes as dumb as an animal. So you don't have to contemplate the horrors that await you in this giant pig body. And that is when the door opens up. And you're let out and you see like a giant like slaughterhouse. It's not the soap factory. That's on the other side of town. You see like a giant slaughterhouse. And you see a bunch of pigs going in it. And you're thinking, this is a really inefficient way to get pigs by turning people into pigs. But it's not about the meat. That's just the byproduct. The science is what they want. He explains that to you. 
He's like, bad pig. And then as they're leading you to the slaughterhouse and you're like starting to poop out pig poop because you're super, super scared. This old rickety truck pulls up. Some guy goes, no, nah, don't take him to the slaughterhouse. I got special plans for that pig. And you're like, uh-oh, I'd rather go to the slaughterhouse. But the dude picks you up. He throws you in the back of this pickup truck and this dirty old farmer starts driving away with you. You still got a human mind, but you got the gross, gross pig body. And then he pulls up to his farm and you hop out and you're like, oh man, what's going to happen to me now? And then you see, you see the corner of the farmhouse, you see, you see a little spider web, right? You see a little spider web and you're like, what? That looks familiar. And the little spider comes down and goes, hi, I'm Charlotte. And then you live the life of Wilbur. Your name was Wilbur. That was the twist ending. You didn't know that, right? Your name was Wilbur. You looked down, you had a name tag. And you are Charlotte's Web, dude. You're Wilbur the pig. Now, you may say, Jason, that's a happy ending. But if you remember the ending of Charlotte's Web, it's not. Because you lose your best friend in the end. You say goodbye to Charlotte. And then all of her children abandon you, too. So whichever number you chose, you either got an ending with a violent death or an ending with an emotional death, the death of your best spider friend. And then you got that gay rat Templeton annoying you for the rest of your life, too. You got to worry about that. But so there we go. Our journey. And now I'm floating around in that bubble again. I'm looking down at all of the victims of this story. I'm floating in the bubble. I go, so there we go, travelers. I hope you enjoyed these stories of Minnesota hauntings. Did you enjoy them? And you guys are like, yeah, I guess. Yes. Can we get a ride home in the Jason Jalopy? Can we like, get the keys? And I'm like, no. You guys will have to stay in Minnesota. <laughs> that is your true fate. It was, no. You are trapped in Minnesota forever. Even after the heat death of the universe, you are trapped here in this hellscape known as Minnesota. So then I'm just floating away in my bubble. So I don't think I'm doing another multiple choice one for a while. Those take a long time. But deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.